welcome to Hazel and Katniss and Harry and Star, a young adult literature podcast, their film and television adaptations, and everything in between. I'm Joe. And I'm Oz gonna was gonna make a joke about like being from a world of imagination and then I lost it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I'm Brenna. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, ma'am? You can still be from a world of imagination. <laughs> And our show is located on the ancestral lands of the Haudenosaunee, the Huron-Wendat, and the Anishinaabe on lands connected to the Toronto Purchase Treaty 13 of 1805. And on the Tecumseh-Sequim territory within the unceded traditional lands of Sequim-Ulu. And today's text, Wonka, is set in London Question and filmed mark? in London. So no territorial <laughs> acknowledgement today, just you know, extensive history of colonialism mm-hmm. at our doorstep. Oh, yes. But of course, we, well, I was going to say we're not going to address that, but we do have to have a conversation about Oompa Loompas, but also the film doesn't want to do anything with that. We just want to make jokes about chocolate. Honestly, uh, there's so many elements here where I'm just like, why did you bother? And the Oompa Loompas are a big one. But anyway, before we right. get into all that, let's set it up, Joe. Mm-hmm. I've spent the past seven years traveling the world perfecting my craft. You see, I'm something of a magician, inventor, and chocolate maker. So quiet up and listen down. Nope, scratch that, reverse it. Mr. Wonka, I can say you're a man of great ingenuity. What are you doing? I'm making chocolate, of course. How do you like it? Dark, white, nutty, absolutely insane. Many people have come here to sell chocolate. They've all been crushed by the chocolate cartel. You can't get a shop without selling chocolate, and you can't sell chocolate without a shop. No daydreaming. What are we gonna do, Wooly? Okay, Wonka is a 2023 film. It is co-written by Simon Farnaby, as well as Paul King. They collaborated on Paddington 2. Paul King is also the director of the original Paddington. We have songs by Neil Hannon, and this movie has a $125 million budget. Currently, as we record this, it is sitting at $553 million worldwide. Brenna, fun fact... This is now the highest grossing Wonka movie. <laughs> sure it is, of course. More so than the Johnny Depp Tim Burton one. No, well, I'm not surprised, honestly. Oh, okay, interesting. I was surprised because I thought that one was a huge juggernaut. And it was and also wasn't. Like, Wonka has done so well internationally that it is a big old bonafide hit. But, you know, you and I were talking about this over text. Like, this is the perfect, I am tired of talking to my family. Let's go see a movie, Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's appropriate for nearly every member of the mm-hmm. family, except maybe your dad or teenage brother, whatever. Right. And nobody cares what they think anyway. <laughs> exactly. They're just going to get dragged along anyway. Uh-huh. Okay, so our cast, we have Timothy Chalamet as Willy Wonka, we have Lane as Noodle, the orphan girl who he befriends, she teaches him how to read, he gets her out of indentured servitude. The other members of their heisty crew are Jim Carter as Abacus Crunch. He is the money counter guy. We have Natasha Rothwell as Piper Benz. What is her role? Oh, she knows the underground Mm -hmm. system very well. Mm -hmm. 
We have Rich Fulcher as Larry Chucklesworth. He is the comedian who can also speak underwater. We have Raki Thakrar as Lottie Bell. She works the telephone system, and they are all ganging up to get out of the wash house that is owned by Olivia Coleman's Mrs. Scrubbit and her not member of the royal family lover question mark bleacher yeah. who is played by tom davis and then of course we also have the chocolate cartel in the galleries gourmet so we have patterson joseph as arthur slugworth matt lucas as gerald prodnose as well as matthew banton as felix fickle grubber and then rounding out the cast it's a lot of people Keegan-Michael Keane as the unnamed chief of police, Rowan Atkinson as Father Julius, they're both working with the Chocolate Cartel, and finally, Sally Hawkins as Willie's dead mother, Mrs. Wonka, and Hugh Grant phoning it in as Lofty the Oompa Loompa <laughs> because he had bills to pay. This cast is stacked. This it's is a great. wild cast. Yeah. And you know, as I was saying to you off air and something we'll get into today, I actually think like individually, everybody mm -hmm. here is doing something great. Sure. Yeah. I'm not sure it all hangs together, but like individually, every single actor you've mentioned, well, maybe with the exception of poor Hugh Grant, who really didn't want to be there, but mm -hmm. everybody has kind of great, whether it's a comic moment or like a, a really touching moment, like almost everybody gets a moment. Right. But I, as we'll talk about, I'm not sure the whole thing hangs together particularly well. Mm hmm. I feel like we both went into this with a certain amount of cynical trepidation, oh, yeah. because mm -hmm. obviously they announced this as a prequel. It looked like a cash and attempt, you know, what was there that needed to be told about Willy Wonka's origin story. And it was interesting going through some of the Wikipedia information about the development process, because it seems as though, yeah, money, obviously, was the reason we make this movie. But then they were very clear that they consider this a prequel that doesn't try to explain how Willie becomes his 1971 Gene Wilder figure. So I was kind of happy with that because the first time I watched the film, I thought, well, there's a big giant gap about how Willie goes from this wide-eyed, bushy-tailed chocolate entrepreneur to, you know, the guy who doesn't really love children who closes the factory and kicks everybody out of their jobs. Yeah, it's interesting because I think that this is really a prequel to the Johnny Depp Wonka. And oh, I say okay. that because, you know, something we talked about a little bit last time we talked Wonka mm -hmm. is that there seems to be this disconnect between like the book Gene Wilder version of Wonka, which mm -hmm. is very much like this is a guy who can invent anything and has had wild experiences and he can expose you to things you could never have imagined before mm -hmm. versus the Johnny Depp Wonka where he's just like he's straight up just a magician, right? Right. And that's the direction we're heading in here. Like mm -hmm. this Willy Wonka, yes, has access to incredible stories and flavor profiles, but but he can straight up do magic to get himself mm -hmm. out of trouble. And I think those are two very different imaginings of the character. Right. And I think my my sort of dour English heritage like kind of looks down on the magic-y version. Like I just, uh, okay. I like the inventory version. Mm -hmm. But 
I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. I just think that if you're going into this, haven't seen it yet, you should be kind of thinking more like a Depp Wonka than a Wilder Wonka. Okay, interesting. I went into this being very much on the Paddington wavelength because I feel mm. like that's actually the more apt comparison. It's yeah. meant to be grounded in the real world. So like, you know, we're moving around what is clearly something between London and Paris in terms mm -hmm. of the world that we're trying to create here. But the things, yeah, that Willie is able to do, you know, he's got a suitcase that folds out, which, as you said, has a bunch of different flavor profiles from around the world. But he manages to make enough chocolates out of this suitcase machine to fill an entire storefront at one point. And you just really have to suspend your disbelief <laughs> that, oh, okay, yeah, I guess he must be magic because otherwise, how the heck did he make all of this stuff? <laughs> Whereas in the Gene Wilder version, we know the answer is slavery. Mm-hmm. Just mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, in Wonka, he's just constantly producing bottles of chocolates that he can pass off to Lofty because, of course, he's got this debt that he needs to pay to a rogue Oompa Loompa. And I don't know, like, so much of this film shouldn't work. Like... <laughs> The storytelling is okay, but there's a lot of things where you really just have to put your mind in park and accept the movie for what it's doing. And yet, I can't deny, it's actually really, really fun, and it mm -hmm. is a genuine crowd pleaser. Like, I'm not at all surprised that it's done incredibly well. Yeah, no, it's a very charming movie in a lot of moments. Mm -hmm. And as I said to you before, like, in many ways, I wanted this to work because mm -hmm. I love the big budget movie musical. I would like sure. us to have more of them and more often. I was listening to an episode of Commotion today. They were talking about, I guess, the Mean Girls movie and also The Color Purple. Mm -hmm. And they were talking about this trend in the way Hollywood is cutting trailers. <laughs> yeah, how we, we have musicals, but we don't tell anybody they're musicals. Yeah, and I, it's a weird choice, right? Because the musical mm -hmm. as a form is like... It's, uh, it can be controversial. Like some people mm -hmm. will just tell you they straight up hate musicals. And I guess they're oh, trying uh -huh. to like not, they're trying to trick those people into coming to these movies, I guess. Mm -hmm. But I just feel like if I was one of those people who hated musicals and I, I arrived at Wonka, because I did not know this was a musical job before oh, I started watching it. I was okay. delighted to find out it was because I love a musical. But like, mm -hmm. why, why are we trying to pretend things aren't musicals? What is going yeah, on? Yeah, it, it's because we've had... A couple of speed bumps lately, you know, a couple of hurdles, any other sports or driving metaphor I can use here, <laughs> where movie musicals have done really, really bad. You know, I'm thinking of things like uh, Steven Spielberg's revamped West Side Story. Mm. We had uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda's In the Heights, and those both were high profile, made by celebrated directors, absolutely crashed and burned at the box office. So I think studios have decided that marketing in a stealth way like you know i was reading a story about how mean girls and also wonka have succeeded despite their tricky marketing and there was an interview with the marketing team behind mean girls and they were like well there is a musical note in the e or the a of the title if you look at the poster <laughs> and i was just like go f yourself but like you stop it just stop <laughs> 
<sighs> I do think the musical aspects are the parts of this that work the best, though, because, mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. A certain amount of suspension of disbelief is required here. And we do that in musicals. Like, right. by definition, to enjoy a musical, you have to do mm-hmm. that. And so I think those moments work really well. They're beautiful. The film itself is beautiful. Like, it's mm-hmm. really fun to watch, with the exception of some pretty janky CGI moments. Yeah. There's something about the way they decide to animate Wonka in some moments where, like, he becomes weightless. And Mm -hmm. there's one of these right off the top of the movie. You see him sort of dance up to the top of a mast on a ship. And Mm -hmm. my first thought was, oh, God, no, no, I can't do a whole movie of this kind of CGI. But there Mm -hmm. isn't there isn't actually like too much of that in there. But yeah, there there are a few things like that. But otherwise, it's like it's lush and luxurious and everything is really highly textured. The colors are gorgeous. So Mm -hmm. That too goes into the crowd-pleasing Christmas movie, right? Like, you want to go and see something beautiful and enjoy it. Right. And this feels appropriately epic in scope. You know, we Mm. are pulling heists all around this fictitious London Parisian town. We do have the starry cast. Obviously, this is a little more indebted to the UK star factor. Like, you know. I don't think people are going into this saying, oh, you know, Natasha Rothwell, yay! You know, they're saying, mm-hmm. oh, I recognize that actor, character, person from five other things that For I can't sure. name off the top of my head. <laughs> but it does all add up to something that is fun and frothy and visually vibrant. And yeah, I don't think the songs are quite catchy like i can't imagine somebody buying the soundtrack and singing along to any of these songs but when you're watching the movie they do help to carry the flow because this is almost two hours and it it just passes right by it does but i think maybe joe we should we should talk a bit about what doesn't work Mm because we keep saying like it's good but we're hedging we're hedging all of our compliments so (laughs) Our voices go up and there's a question mark at the end. (laughs) But so far, we've only praised it. So if I was Mm -hmm. listening, I'd be like, what are they not talking about? So, Joe, I'm going to put you on the spot and ask what it was that didn't work 100% for you here. I'll confess. So I've seen this twice. I watched it before Christmas and then I watched it after Christmas. And the first time around... I will say that Hugh Grant's Oompa Loompa really does not work for me. (laughs) You mentioned the FX is pretty good, but janky in certain parts. I would say anytime we're seeing this Oompa Loompa character, the miniaturization just feels very artificial compared to everybody else. I actually think Hugh Grant is very good in the role. He's having a certain amount of fun in the way that you can tell he's very resistant to being in this movie. But... He suits Lofty's character in that capacity. So it was just the visualization that really took me out of it every single time this character is on screen. Yeah, I am glad you raised that point because I I actually love a Hugh Grant playing evil Hugh Grant role. Mm-hmm. Like his role in Paddington 2 is easily my favorite role of his in the last 15 years. It's so fun. I think fun. he's phenomenal. Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. so fun when he's being that character. And I was expecting that here. But I really do think the worst things about the Oompa Loompa is the way they decided to do the effects. Mm -hmm. And I don't really get that decision like at all, except that they wanted Hugh Grant. But even the way, as you said, the way they've miniaturized him, he's all out of scale. Right. And it's not actually his body moving. It's just his face. It's very strange, people. If you haven't seen it, it's very, very odd. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're definitely zeroing in on things. I think if you can just focus on his facial performance, his vocal performance, the way that we're actually using the character in the story, it's ridiculous. But so much of this movie is ridiculous. <laughs> and that's perfectly fine. Uh, I would say the other thing that really doesn't work for me, and this makes me sad because I'm quite fond of Keegan-Michael Key, but mm. the unnamed chief of police is basically being paid off by this chocolate cartel with literal chocolate. So he's just consuming more and more over the course of the film. And at one point, there's a joke where he says, I've gained 150 pounds in the last, I think it's like two days or a week or something. And we're definitely doing fat suit jokes oh. and i get it like i think a lot of kids would find this very very funny because it's so comedically outrageous right like no one could gain that much weight like he would he would just die from diabetes or something awful but the fact that we're still doing fat suit jokes in 2023 brenna yeah i i just don't understand why we're still going back to this well i have never in my life watched a movie and been like, you know what would have augmented this film? Mm -hmm. A fat suit. Like, mm -hmm. never in my life have I had that thought. And I just think, yeah, it's a missed opportunity for his comedic sensibility that the movie goes down that mm -hmm. road because he's cleverer than that. And he doesn't get a chance to really be clever in this role. It's a very broad, slapsticky role. Right. I get what they're going for. Like, they're going for the Violet Beauregard, totally. you know, blueberry thing. But it's not the same thing. Like, that is a chemical reaction because she overstepped and ate something she shouldn't. Whereas this is, oh, it's a man who literally can't control his vices. Yeah, it's, um, it's just sort of cheesy. I agree mm -hmm. that that's a bit that didn't work. I think, you know, I said this off the top. I can't actually point to any one element that made me go, well, this is this is failing. Like, mm -hmm. there were things that made me roll my eyes. Like, I texted you when the movie first started, and Willy Wonka is in this city that's, like, so explicitly, in some moments, London, and everybody mm -hmm. has a Cockney accent. And he right. goes, they told me anybody could succeed here. And I'm like, really? Because that's the most class stratified city in the English world. But okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> that right. is such a you comic to make, too. <laughs> But, you know, so it's like, that's not a thing to criticize the movie about. No. That's just an eye roll moment, right? Yeah. And so, but when I left the movie, I was really unsatisfied somehow. And I think oh, okay. ultimately, for me, the problem here is that I loved all kinds of different moments. I loved almost all the songs, although you're right, they're not catchy. None of them are stuck in my head. Mm -hmm. I loved almost every individual performance. But something felt unfinished about the film as a whole for me. Okay. And I don't really know what that is. Like, I can't put my finger on it. It just felt very, I don't know, episodic. I don't know what it was. But yeah, mm -hmm. overall, the whole film doesn't hang together for me in a way that I would find satisfying, which I think is ultimately a shame because there's a lot going on here that I like. Well, and I do wonder if maybe that's part of what you're struggling with is that there is a lot going on to oh the God. point that, you know, we could probably call some of this stuff out because we've got the Miss Scrubbit storyline, right? Where mm -hmm. she's locking people into working in this wash house because they don't read the fine print. So that's how we're meeting half of these characters. But then we don't learn 
really very much except for the most expository miniature details about who the people were and how they ended up getting stuck here right so it's like oh the comedian isn't with his wife anymore and in the end credits oompa loompa song we learn oh mm -hmm. she saw his act and they get back together and it's supposed to be a heartwarming ah oh, shucks kind of moment but like because we spent so little time with all of these supporting characters mm -hmm. it's really just Oh, yeah, it's a shrug. Like, this is very much Willy Wonka's movie, but it's populated by a cast of, like, 40 people. <laughs> There's so much going on here. And, you know, when I got to the end and we had the Oompa Loompa song where we wrap up all the stories we didn't mm -hmm. hear about otherwise, I was like, yeah, well, I'm glad you put something in because, like, there's so <laughs> many plot threads that have to be tied up by Hugh Grant in this, like, two-minute song at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. And that's a shame, I think, because part of it is the cast, right? These are all character actors. So yes. they're all selling you on their characters in the like, you know, handful of scenes you get to know anything truly about them. Mm -hmm. And it's it's almost a shame. It's almost like a less gifted cast. And I wouldn't have cared so much about the endpoint story of all these characters, you know? Right. They're they're all so good that you just think, mm -hmm. oh, I would have taken more of them. But the problem is there's too many of them and we don't have any time for it. Do you think we're going to get a sequel? Like to me, it feels like this is mm -hmm. early Wonka. And obviously, we still have this huge gap between early Wonka and Chocolate Factory Wonka. Like, it feels like they're setting us up for more stories to tell. Do you have any insider ideas about that? So I have no specific insights, but, you know, having looked at box office numbers and covered films for long enough, I would look at the more than half a billion dollar gross of this and say, yeah, we're probably going to get a sequel if only because we know we can make money off of this again. Now, story-wise, I'm back into cynical mode and saying, well, mm. what what else is there to say? But you're right. It does feel like there's still a missing slot in the story. Whether you believe this is leading to Gene Wilder or Johnny Depp, there's still the fact of setting up the chocolate factory, you know, telling other stories about Slugworth potentially and something like that. So I could very easily see them doing this. I think there's one big hitch Timothy Chalamet is going to be too big of a star oh, yeah. to get. So they paid him $9 million for this movie, which is probably a good deal for them, all things considered, because as much as we're praising the rest of the cast, if you don't have Chalamet, this movie does not work. Like he is, he is breaking his back selling this movie in every single scene. And I think he honestly is fantastic. I agree. But with that said... He also has Dune coming out, and that movie is going to be gargantuan. There's a reason we sat on it for a full year during the strike, and it's because they knew they needed him as much as he needs it to work. But after that, I think he's going to be out of their price range unless we're ready to talk like $20 million. Oh, wow. Well, that'll be interesting. I do have this um, like fantasy universe in my head, Joe, where the timing mm -hmm. of this was such that jeremy allen white was not huge yet, oh, like mm -hmm. pre the bear maybe and we had him playing the pre wilder version of wonka right. of course, that's his grandfather right or his great uncle or whatever oh. i just think that would be that would have been bizarre and hilarious and great and in my head that movie exists and i, I would like to watch it <laughs> you know what you probably just struck on something yeah we probably could recast chalamet if we could find someone who can sort of mirror his 
performance, but then also maybe marry it towards Wilder. Um, yeah, I think it could work. I don't know if that's Jeremy Allen White. Again, he might be he too close too to blowing up. Well, I can tell you the other people who are considered for the role were mm-hmm. Tom Holland. Obviously, Which I, I think believe. anytime, yeah. well, anytime Timothy Chalamet is being considered, I'm pretty sure Tom Holland <laughs> is also being considered. Oh, you need a white twink who can sing and dance? Yeah. <laughs> Here, let me bring out the parade of them for you. The, them and the Chris has always remind me that I can't tell white guys apart. Um, oh, yeah. Donald Glover was considered, which would have been a wildly different film. And yes. I would have watched it. Ryan Gosling, who I think also is He's probably too old. too old. Yeah. And then Ezra Miller, which no thank you well i mean this maybe would have been i think they got the rights back in 2016 and ezra miller wasn't the same problem that they are now so it might have made more sense then fair point fair point yeah i do want to have one final other conversation we can make this very very brief but it's something that didn't strike me as frustrating on my first watch and then i listened to my friend's podcast talk movie to me and my friend Edison, who's one of the three co-hosts on that podcast, raised the issue that he really wasn't a fan of the subtle queer coding of the chocolate cartel. And oh. I was like, what is he talking about? I didn't pick up on that at all. And the second rewatch, particularly the number when they're trying to woo the chief of police, oh. it is basically them acting like it's a seduction song. And obviously, it's like, oh, we're appealing to your sweet tooth, but it is extremely queer. And I was like, oh, we're doing a weird queer villain thing. Hmm. Oh, interesting. I I will confess to not picking up on that at all, mm-hmm. but I get it now that you're describing it to me. You know, there is this like uncomfortable history in British cinema and theater, right? Mm-hmm. Of exactly that. The queer villain, it's always been part, right? That and- Oh, sure cross-dressing for laughs um has always Mm -hmm. been kind of central to to the british sensibility and i there's a lot of that here like a lot of these are kind of classic pantomime stock Mm. tropes Mm -hmm. and so i'm not i'm not surprised that that comes through yeah well yeah i'm not either because i mean i think if you look hard enough or squint at something long enough you're going to find something that's feeling a little bit untowards there's even the song and dance number where willie after we milk abigail the giraffe he takes noodle and we're you know dancing along rooftops Mm. and grabbing balloons and they have a kind of slow dance and i was like made me uncomfortable it's a little uncomfortable right because he's a grown-ass man and she's a young child (laughs) yeah and not only is she a young child she's a young child who's like totally trapped by her circumstance and like reliant on him to get her out of it yeah and he's the only sort of pseudo family she's ever known and they have up until that moment been this sort of like cute sibling-esque kind of pair Mm -hmm. i was like what what are you guys doing i was so terrified they were going to turn that into a love story and have her like fall in love with him at the end of the movie i'm so glad they didn't go there but that song hits all the wrong beats Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the one that definitely stood out as not only, oh, it's a very unmemorable song, but then paired with the visuals, you think, are we hinting at a romance? Is that where we're going? Like, watch us get the second movie and we've aged up mm-hmm. Noodle and all of a sudden she's dating Willie. No, 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 I don't want to watch that. I don't want to watch that. 
it's probably not gonna happen but it's fine i mean willy wonka is way too asexual to ever engage in a romantic relationship let's be clear I don't want to see Willy Wonka in a romantic relationship because we know where the end point of this character is, right? So the mm-hmm. only possible plot line is going to be like Killed scorned in some way and yeah. then like embittered for life. And I'm just, I don't, I don't, I don't need that in no. my life. <laughs> we always reserve those storylines for spinster women, right? Come on. <laughs> we could never do it to a man. <laughs> Terrible. <sighs> Brenna, shall we play some YA bingo with this? Let's do it. Bingo! Not a good bingo. All right, what have you got? Well, obviously we've got abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, we have house porn insofar as those opulent spaces where the chocolate cartel meets. Like, I want to mm-hmm. hang out there, like a lot. Oh, gorgeous. <laughs> obviously musicality. Oh, yeah. Good friendships, because with mm-hmm. the exception of that one song, Noodle and Willie have a great friendship. Right. Yes. Obviously, we've got tons of magic supernatural happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you have? Um, question for you. Coincidental classes, because there is a bit of a storyline that Willie would not be in this situation if he could read, but mm-hmm. he is illiterate until Noodle teaches him. Obviously, not a conventional class, and yet it is... I don't know. His ability to recognize letters becomes a pivotal plot point, so I will give it to you. Okay, okay. We have a dead body, although I'm not sure how well the film actually acknowledges that. Like, I think there's still a bunch of people who would be confused that his mama is in fact dead and she is not going to show up at the opening of his chocolate factory. (laughs) Yeah, and then she's there and she's not the ghostiest ghost you ever ghosted. Mm-mm. I mean, it's delightful to see Sally Hawkins. I think she's great in the one minute of screen time that this movie gives her, mm-hmm. but also mommy issues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In the same way that we had daddy issues with the Tim Burton version. It's true. Oh my God, it's true. <laughs> um, I don't know. I kind of have an aged up forever young because Willie is such an indeterminate age. I was like, is he meant to be a teenager? How did he travel the world and get all of these ingredients? And yet he's also presented as, you know, that that opening song when he's walking around and he can't even figure out how to negotiate people shining his shoe and taking his money. It's definitely one of those things that the film is like, just deal with it. It's fine. (laughs) We're not going to explain it. No. Uh, And then finally, stunt casting for pretty much everybody on screen. Wild, wild stunt casting. Um, I'm also going to give montage because we have a lot of them. Okay. Yes. And a hollow romance for the love affair between Scrubber and Bleacher. (laughs) Scrubber and Bleacher. Yep. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. Well, we came close, but we didn't quite make a line. Darn you, Willie! <laughs> All right. Well, Brenna, why don't we leave it there and open it to other comments from the listeners? Because I have a feeling folks probably check this out since it was so gargantuan over the holidays. Curious to hear what other folks thought of it. Absolutely. So you can find us on most social media at HKHSPod or on the hashtag HKHSPod. You can always email us, HKHSPod at gmail.com. Joe, where do they find you? 
I can be reached at B Stole My Remote, and that's the letter B. And I'm at Brenna C. Gray. That's Gray with an A. And next week, Joe, we're actually staying in the world of youth media, family mm-hmm. media. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're checking out a brand new film on Netflix called Orion and the Dark and the picture book it's based on. I'm kind of excited to check this one out because I'm going to try to watch it with the group. Yeah, I'm hopeful that it's not so scary that it's not going to scar him for life. But um, <laughs> fingers yeah. crossed. I was delighted when I realized, oh, we could program this on the show, and it only requires me to read a thirty-page picture book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picking it up from the library tomorrow. Nice. All right, folks. So until next time, I hope that your days are filled with lots and lots of candy and Mm. significantly less indentured servitude than we find in Wonka. Right. Um, And I will see you on the page. And I will see you on the screen. Because we've got so much of the, okay, we've got Mrs. There we go.